This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi guys and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, every step along the way. So the season's back and in today's pod we'll be discussing the new signings, including some exclusive insight from Southampton. We'll be looking at the club news as well and of course, as always, we'll be previewing this weekend's match versus Millwall. Okay and welcome back. I must admit guys, it feels like it's been... Um, well, I don't know, I was going to say a long time, but we've done that much in, in kind of pre-season, different specials and stuff like that. Um, it's good to be back again, but this time talking about the real football. So uh, welcome back to the pod, Andy. We're right, mate. Hopefully everything goes as planned for this season, but, you know, we are Stoke fans, so we don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we're, we're more glass half full Stoke fans as opposed to glass yeah. half empty, like some of them I've seen, but... Uh, we will come back to that. Um, Dan, welcome back to the pod, mate. How are you feeling? You're not uh, through an eye of a needle still, are you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm all right. I feel It feels like every time we do this podcast, one of us isn't very well every week. <laughs> At least, I mean, we've done all, I mean, all three of us have got issues this week. I mean, Andy with toes of that. Uh, me with, but fair enough, it's, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, no. At least, at least you're feeling good, mate. Because yeah, it's it's been a it's been a challenging week on a number of fronts. Um, but you know, just trying to look positive in in certain situations. So no, obviously it's, it's good good that we're all back. Um, and yeah, this preseason's flown. It feels like we've almost not had one to be quite frank with you. But um, I would have wanted to quite try and do because I mean I know we went to the Accrington game and and stuff like that. We've all kind of seen a lot of different you know games and highlights and various different things so we're not going to go into individual games here because i think it's been done to death we've talked about it in previous pods everyone else has seen it online there's no point going to kind of going over all ground but um i mean in terms of i don't hear what your guys thoughts are to be honest with you around you know what you've seen so far in pre-season are you happy with how it's gone are you bothered whether we've won five or lost five I mean, Dan, do you read much into this or a little bit like, you know, when, when we spoke to Tyrese, is, is it all about fitness? Um, when, when did pre-season results become an issue? That's what I'm wondering. It's always been all about fitness, hasn't it? And, and, and you know, bringing new players in, looking at different things and basically getting fitness ready. Because come that first game of the season, what usually wins that game is legs and which teams are fitter. Yeah. I mean, we, I've had, we've, we've had pre-seasons where we've lost to Newcastle Town and Nantwich and then gone and started the season really well. And we've had other... Nathan Jones. Didn't Nathan Jones go unbeaten during his pre-season and won, like, six out of seven games? And then the first ten games of the season, we didn't win any. It and didn't we... Nothing. Promotion season, though, mate, didn't we as well? If, if I'm, again, I'm pretty sure sure this was the case. Didn't we only win one in, in that this season we got promoted? Something yeah, like that. It, yeah. yeah, it means I mean, nothing. It's all about getting fitness. And the thing is, 
that uh, like with Tony Pulis's teams, he he was heavily on his fitness and he'd run him and run him and run him and all that. And with you know, it's sort of like um like mythical isn't it? like how he runs up hills and stuff in pre-season. Yeah. And and obviously we always started the season well, usually Pulis, and then but come April May time we drift off, maybe the players' legs had gone. Mark Hughes was the complete opposite, wasn't he? He he didn't really go much with that sort of philosophy of uh, running them hard in preseason. It was all ball work, and yes. sometimes it took five or six games for them to find find the legs and find the feet. But then come the end of the season, we were fine. So we started think- well under Michael O'Neill both times. I'm quite happy to you know to see if we start again. Do you think though, Andy? I mean, for me, part of this is is this just another thing for people to hit the club around the head with it, it it feels like it this week i mean you've seen the abuse that o'neill's had you know the we'll talk about it in a minute but you know that some of the things that have been released at the club for example the new banners on the front and you know you can't please some people it seems is this just something else for the club to you know fans to try and beat the club around the head with are, are we in that territory now because some people have made the hands up it's a it's a very tough one obviously a lot of fans aren't happy with Michael O'Neill and the way that he's been at manager. You look at stats that he's got, he's better than a Mark Hughes and a Tony Pulis stats-wise, and I still believe that he is obviously the man to do the job. I've said it with what he's done with Northern Ireland when he was there. He is still that man to do it, and I just feel like with what's gone on as he's been here, he's managed to get the sides that the fans that far off his side that they're complaining about everything. Like Obviously, as we know, Lewis Baker was given the captaincy today, which I think is a is a brilliant decision Definitely, but I saw yeah. one or two comments sarcastically saying oh why wasn't Sparrow chosen or something just to you know make an argument out of anything even if it's pointless but yeah Dan said with preseason it's about fitness and so did Tyrese and I'm I agree with you on that I saw it's it's completely off topic but Liverpool fans their new signing Nunes he scored a goal and they were absolutely raving about them they went and lost the next game and they start saying oh it's just preseason it doesn't matter it's about fitness, and <laughs> that's it's like all it's about. Cup, it's like, oh, we, we didn't want it anyway. We were focusing yeah. on the league. Yeah, it's it's the same argument, mate. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not I'm not thinking sitting here thinking O'Neill's the Messiah. Far from it. But at the same time, we're smashing a manager around the head for a flipping pre-season, for Christ's sake. I've never seen a fan base, or I haven't seen it for a while, so bloody split on the on the guy. Like half of us like O'Neill, half of us don't. Um, half of us think the owners need to leave, half of us don't. I mean, it's it's I don't know. When when we got promoted, I seem to remember the fan base were together. Everyone was kind of, you know, we weren't the best team in the land. Let's be honest. Yeah, you know, we had a good season with loans and stuff like that. You know, we weren't the prettiest team in preseason to look at and all that. But I don't remember this uh, animosity between the fans and the club and the management um, mm. before proper balls even been kicked. I just, I, the problem is now the, you know, the Mon out brigade and all that. Now, Luke, maybe they'll change their mind if he has a good season. Maybe they won't. Maybe it's one of them where even if he got promoted and finished top of the league, it'd be, yeah, well, he can't take us any further. So he might as well get rid of him. Maybe there is no, there's, there's no way around it. Some people make up their minds as they did about Tony Pulis, as they did about Mark Hughes. And yeah, Every manager's got his shelf life, but to be calling a manager out before a competitive game's been kicked, it just baffles me. It really does. But 
whatever. We'll, we'll get off this topic because yeah. we're going to be I'll, here all day. I'll quickly add to it. Go on. If we were the fans who were in the Monarch Brigade, we wouldn't have all gone to Accrington together. We wouldn't have done all that. And I definitely wouldn't have gone up to Edinburgh round trip in the space of 48 hours. But I'm there as a Stoke fan. I back Michael O'Neill. I back the board. They are doing the right jobs. And it's just been an unfortunate few seasons that we've had that where we haven't been able to get to those targets that we've set. Yeah. And just the last thing I'll say, if O'Neill starts badly and we don't win very many games or we get to December, if we are 14th, 15th in December, I'm with him. Because yeah. we can't... That's fine. Understandable. He's had a chance. He's messed up. He's not signed the right players. Whatever. But right now... For once, can people just give him a bloody chance? Just give him a chance. If he messes up, he'll be gone anyway. So get to the stadium, follow him away, watch him online if you watch him online, listen to whatever, I don't care. <laughs> um, just, just get behind them and whatever happens, happens, and we can moan about it later. It's just just be positive for once going into a season. It'd be nice. Um, good luck to Simon King getting the fans back on side. Bloody hell. Right, okay. Anyway, so... Let's talk about the positives very quickly pre-season then. So there's a couple of players I want to call out. Uh, Wright Phillips, I think when we saw him again against Sacramento in a couple of games, he's looked really lively. We need to try and figure out for me where his best position is. Uh, I think that kind of free role almost is probably the best one. It's not a role he's going to get much of, but I thought, you know, Dan, you, you made a comment when we were at Sacramento that um, he looked uh, almost a different beast in some respects. It looks like he's come on a bit. Um, again, same breath, Harry Clark. He's still settling in, but for me, I've seen him get a bit, a bit of a uh, abuse, and he's not good enough all of a sudden. Which, yeah, whatever. Um, so again, another player we saw closely at Accrington, marshalling Connor Taylor, the other youngsters around him. I think he's going to be an asset this year. I really, really do. And then one final person I'll mention on positives before I let you guys jump in. Um, our our friend Tyrese Campbell. So yeah, he's he's obviously found the net. Great blinking movement for that goal. Uh, against Fleetwood, if I remember rightly. Um, and, you know, I think one important aspect, which I've not seen anyone mention, in the preseason friendlies, he's not been pulling out of 50-50 tackles, which is something a lot of players do when they're coming back from a long-term injury. As he we discussed sharper. before, he looks sharper, but he, he obviously all of his work, because he couldn't go on the grass very much last season, he was in the gym a lot, wasn't he? So he was very bulked up, and that's... For me, that didn't suit him. I think you know he's a an explosive player, as he said himself. So pace, etc. So I think he looks more like the old Tyrese, is what I'm trying to say, I suppose. Um, but yeah, any observations on any of those three? I think we've all kind of touched on them, kind of a couple of times this season already. Yeah, right. Phillips, like you say, right. Phillips looks sharp. Um, I think as well. I mean, people are going about the the results and that. Yeah, we haven't seen a settled side yet, have we? We've, we've mixed. The teams, as you should do in friendlies, as you should do, he's been mixing it up, you know, trying different uh, partnerships up front, partnerships in defence, partnerships in midfield. It's not as if like we've played our best eleven, and you can say, oh, we've been playing our best team every week and we've not been winning. No. And plus, the, and, and I say, right, Phillips, I think he's done himself a world of good um, this pre-season. He's one that's probably exciting me. I think he's really got his head down over the summer. And also, like I say, Campbell, um, I think he looks really sharp. He looks back to his best now, which I'm not going to not gonna say, but, you know, I, I was saying this 12 months ago that now would be the time. 
It, um, um, so yeah, I'd say I think he uh, he knows he's going to live now, and uh, yeah, I think he will be. I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of these young players as well. I think like it's a big season for someone like Joe Bursic as well. He really yeah. needs to sort of nail that that position down. And I think I hope that he'll get the trust of the manager to, to give him a run of games, even if it's not going fantastic for him. If he makes the odd mistake, I hope he sticks with him and lets him ride it out and come through. Yeah, I hope so. He's got to, mate, because if we drop him again, you know, he'll be out the door in the summer. Much of the summer, rather. In, in kind of, you know, January window, it wouldn't surprise me if he kicks up a fuss and wants to go. And you couldn't really blame the guy if he's not going to get a chance. I don't, I still, I've said this to you the other week, I still don't think Bonham and Fielding are adequate at all. Uh, some people like Bonham. I don't worry, he's, he's not awful, but for me, when Joe's at the top of his game, Joe's still by far the better goalkeeper. And as a club, we've always had a really strong goalkeeping outfit, um, and it feels this is probably one of the weakest ones we've had for a while. I still think, don't know about you, Andy, but I, I still think we've got a few issues at right wing back, definitely left wing back. Uh, I'm not quite sure Liam McCarron's done enough for me. He's looked a bit lightweight. Um, so I still think there's a couple of little areas, not dreadful because I still think right wing back, we've still got Wilmot who could you know, at least fill in there. Um, but I mean, are you on board with the whole kind of left wing back situation? Cause Morgan Fox isn't, is not suitable. No, Morgan Fox isn't really suitable. I put a tweet out about it and I didn't even put him onto the list. That's how much I've forgotten about him. It's not as much wing backs because McCarran, I feel like he can do a bit of a shift, but probably not as much as what Timon can do. If you've seen the graph which was put out, Timon was probably, I think, top 10% of wing backs or top 10 towards the top, as we know. But I think it's centre backs mainly. Obviously, we've got Sutor when he's back fit and Jaggy Alker and Flint who can play that role. But either side of them, I don't think we've really got anyone. I can name Connor Taylor. We did have Will Forrester, who we'll touch on in a bit, but there isn't really much support for right or even left centre-backs. Obviously, Wilmot and Clark can switch around. We don't really think Dehaney's got all that quality for a right-wing back, and apparently he's on his way out the door from, I've read from one or two things. But I feel like, other than defence, and maybe the backup goalkeeping situation, we're fine everywhere else. Yeah, I I, I think we're, we're at least good till January. Um, and oh, see oh for sure. Going. Yeah, I don't sure, think anyone else is going to leave. Um, I mean, Dan, any other areas you think we're weak in at this minute, mate? I think we've kind of alluded to. I mean, I know he says he wants two more players, which I can only think is the left centre-back position and a target man. I can only think those are the two he might be referring to. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's pretty much said, Andy, that Sparrow's going to be the uh, the backup at right wing-back. So that, you know, that sort of... Net, sort of um, rounds off that position. But I'm just a bit worried there, uh, you know, if there's an injury to say Wilmot, how where does the cover there is he so all of a sudden very light on that right hand side in defence. We've do you know what I mean like obviously if Clark gets injured we could say oh well Wilmot could go right wing back but then if you take Wilmot out of the equation you've lost the central half under right right wing back slash right back. So Sparrow's yeah. got to be stuck in that position then. Yeah and I think as well like yeah. the, Clark, I like I like Clark. I like he seems to be another one quite similar to Baker, and it's he's got quite high standards. And obviously coming from like a um, 
Coming from Arsenal, same as obviously Baker did from Chelsea, I think that's sort of drilled into him from a young age. Like he's attacking wise, he hasn't showed it yet, has he? He hasn't showed that he can be a Josh Tyman on the right. And to maximise the wing back, you need two. You do need a right sided player who's good as the one we've got on the left. And I don't yeah. know if Clark's quite that player yet. No, no, I, I don't. I don't think he is yet. There's been signs. I mean, I, I've liked a couple of forays he's, he's made going forward. For me, the question mark on Clark is in defence right now. I mean, it still is an attack, to be honest. But yeah, you know, I still haven't seen him against a proper decent, you know, championship player to see how he's going to cope. And I think this, I think it's going to be a learning curve for all of them, quite frankly, mate. I mean, a couple of players that have been mentioned is that Alfie Mawson and Ben Davis. Uh, Mawson. There was reports about him failing a medical uh, I saw online. I don't know if that's accurate. I really haven't got a clue. Um, what I find interesting, though, is that medicals, just to clarify for a lot of people who don't know, medicals do not determine whether, whether the club sign a player or not. It's a, a recommendation given. Ricardo Fuller failed his, his uh, medical, I believe, and still signed for us. So it, it doesn't mean they don't sign, but... If Alfie Mawson's, for example, out of the equation, Ben Davis seems like a, a pretty decent backup. But were, were we on about trying to sign Davis on a permanent basis, or was that another loan? Can you can you remember? I believe it would have been a loan because of how much his wages. Other players have been linked to, obviously. Apparently, Aaron Ramsey was linked, and I don't know about you, but I don't think we're going to be spending four hundred grand a week on Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> it's probably one from Aston Villa, but Ben Davies, I believe, has gone to Rangers on a permanent transfer now. And right. it's it's a, it's a good signing for them, but obviously the other player we've been linked to, I believe, is Congolo from Fulham, and he he seems promising. He's obviously not played too much as of recent in the past couple of years, but when he has played, it was when I believe Huddersfield came down, or the season that before Huddersfield went back up, he played extremely well, and he is that left-sided centre back that we're looking for. I was going to say because he literally that's only been out for an hour or so. I think that yeah. that comment. But so that's where he plays. Then it's a le- he's a left centre back. Yeah, I believe he's a okay. left sided centre back. Michael O'Neill said that obviously he's still contracted to Fulham, and it's good that Fulham have let him come on trial here, which I don't think we've done with many players in the past. And if he can agree terms, I believe it's going to be a season long loan, which will obviously help with the squad depth issue that we've got there. So anyway, we had one other person I wanted to mention, and bloody hell did this set off a bomb on, online. Uh, Forrester, obviously gone to Vale on a perm basis. I'll be honest, one that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. Um, he clearly didn't see a way through at Stoke, and I guess Connor Taylor's probably surpassed him now um, in terms of that. He knows obviously Sousa's going to come back, and then he's got Flint and Jaggy Alcorn. He probably can't see a way through. Now... I'm hoping that we have a big salon clause. I imagine there's no way we've let him go without one. Um, and let's face it, Vale aren't exactly in any situation to, to to refuse one, I don't think. I think they'll be happy to get a, a player that's, let's face it, has got a good calibre. He's still yet to prove himself. He's still got a good kind of calibre behind him. So I can't blame the lad for going. Um, one thing I do want to say, some of the abuse that the player got, I saw it being w- wishing him have Achilles issues and his house being burned down i mean for god's sake get a grip seriously like i i just i don't i don't get our fan base sometimes with stupid comments like that so if the Cuts guy was behind keyboards. 
that's exactly what it is, mate. And if it's old, if it's older adults, you haven't got a brain cell between you, quite frankly. Um, I'm sorry, but that's just pathetic. So yeah, for me, the guy wants to go and play. Would I wish we would have kept him? I can't say I've seen much much of him. I've seen a few little bits. He's looked good when I've seen him. It doesn't mean he's the finished article. It doesn't mean he's going to go anywhere. You can't blame the lad for wanting to go out and play a football. He obviously turned down a contract at Stoke and he wanted to go elsewhere. Okay, you've just sometimes got to shrug his shoulders and say, okay, get on with it then. Um, and time will tell whether he's successful. And if he's successful, we'll get a nice sell-on fee in the, in the future. So I, I've got nothing more to say about that other than the comments I wanted to make about the fans. Are either of you bothered that Forrest has gone personally? No, I'm not too particularly bothered. Obviously, like you said, Connor Taylor's overtaking him in the ranks and he was all right when he played for us, made the odd little mistake. But I don't think he was, for the next couple of seasons at least, going to get into the team. If we did get promoted, he was never going to get into the team. But the way I see it is, if you put the rivalry aside completely, he's the local lad who wasn't getting game time. Vale were probably the only club who wanted him. And it's probably the easiest move for both for all three parties. And at the end of the day, I hope he has a good career from him. As much as you've given me stick about Vale on this podcast when I went to the one game, mm. I hope he does well. No way, mate. You'll be able to see him and, a lot more soon. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and and he's at the nail on the head there as well. He, he's he's twenty one. They've tried the loan deals with him, and he's picked up, you know, injuries and stuff, and he's not been able to get a good run. And then, obviously, what he's seen is Connor Taylor's gone out at nineteen, had a fantastic loan, you know, EFL young, lead to young player of the year, and all that business. Come back, and Taylor's leapfrogged him in the pecking order. So he's looking at it from his career point of view. I've got a kid two years younger than me now considered to be a better option. I need to go somewhere and get games. So yeah. fair play to him. He's done a very mature decision for someone 21. Also, where he's gone is very mature, you know, very brave, should I say. So, yeah, fair play to him. I hope it works out for him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely no problem at all with that one. Um, so that's the kind of, in terms of any rumours, to be honest, there's one thing I do want to mention, or two things, shall we uh, mention, actually. So since we last recorded, um, obviously Dwight Gale, Finally signed after the uh, 65th link since uh, <laughs> 2013. <laughs> since 20, is it we were first yeah, so, so much stupid like that. So, um, and obviously then Smallbone as well um, has, has joined as well. I mean, what's your thoughts on both of these players, guys? I mean, obviously, Gail, we know championship pedigree previously was insane. Oh, I think it was it only, um, what's his face from Fulham? Mitrovic, who had Mitch a better Rich record. Mitrovic has got a better goals per 95 minutes. Yeah, so if you can get 70% of that Dwight Gale back, it's going to be better than what we've got so far. So I've got no issues with, with the, the signing personally. Smallbone, I've obviously only seen him in the friendly against Hearts. Mate, you were there. Um, I mean, from what I saw when he came on with Gale, Smallbone very much wants to operate in that kind of like number, I don't know, whatever number you want to call it these days. Is it but number eight? It's, it's number eight, isn't it now? But yeah, it's the Nick Powell position, that yeah. floating middleman between the strikers he came on he played that role and he seemed to you know he, he set up one chance where we should have done better and then he obviously helped to set up the goal as well so i think from what we've seen it's positive either way i'm glad we've got an option now to replace nick powell because we have said previously and we discussed this dan didn't we I, I don't think nick powell's reliable enough so it's about time we had someone uh there to challenge him are you happy with the whole smallbone and, and gale situation dan you Either of them, are you not impressed with? 
No small bone. It's just what we needed. I mean, I know it was only one snippet, but the goal we scored at Hearts, it was just that one pass he did where he's got he's made himself avail- available. He's had a he's had a one a first time pass played into him. He's laid it off first time, time is crossed and we've scored. It's like he hasn't took a touch. He hasn't like stood there wait you know with a man on him had the ball under pressure took three touches then played it off. It's quick. He's he's alive without the ball, and then when he's got it, he's already played it off. Yeah, and I mean hopefully, hopefully mate, you can carry on doing that. It'd be interesting to see how we line up against Millwall. Um, and you, you, obviously you don't know in, in training, do you, how they've been setting up and, and all that. But I, I don't think, I don't know about you, Andy, I don't think Gale's going to start. I mean, we'll come on to teams properly in a minute. I don't think Gale's ready to start yet for the simple fact that I, I think it'd be very harsh to drop uh, Jacob. I think away from home, that pace is going to be really important. Um, but yeah, I think overall we're happy. Probably need another target, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know we uh, we had some uh, audio as well, actually. So we're, Rob from the Southampton page, obviously, he's he basically drops us a bit of audio in terms of what we should expect from uh, Smallbone as well. So let's have a quick listen uh, to that one anyway. Really, when I think of Will Smallbone, I think about a player who doesn't really fit into our system as much as kind of I think the fans had kind of hoped for. I mean, with Will, for example, he first broke into the um, kind of first team squad at the age of 19. Um, <clears throat> at the time, you know, he was able to play in that eight position, which, which I think everyone would agree is kind of his best role. Whereas for the academy, he was kind of playing more as a forward 10. I think, think with Will, you know, I think if he didn't get that ACL injury a couple of years ago against Leicester, he would have really pushed on and be a solid part of our first team. But I think that, you know, has kind of knocked him back a little bit in terms of his development. I mean, he's almost 23 now, um, you know, and we're still sending him on out on loan to championship clubs. Overall, we had a good uh, pre-season, um, very technical player. He showed his ability well and he was unlucky not to get a couple of goals or assists, to be honest. And I'm a big fan of him. I think when he's used correctly, he's very good and very, you know, progressive and technical. However, in the system which we play under Ralph, which is the 4 2 he's either going to be a number six or a number 10. And in our system, I don't think he kind of fits either. He's not quick enough to be a number 10 as a winger, and he's not defensively and physically strong enough to be uh, almost used as a number six next to Ward-Prowse or Romeo or even Lavia. So I think with, with Smallbone, if, if Stoke can play him you know, in that number eight role, allow him the freedom to kind of get forward and create chances. I think you'll see a very promising player there. That's more of the role he plays for uh, for Ireland, you know, in his, in his under-21 team. But I think, yeah, I think Will will do well next to Kilkenny as, as well. Obviously, he's got that partnership there, but he really needs to show now. He needs to show up or else, you know, I, I don't think he's going to have a, a massive future at Saints if this loan doesn't go too well. But I wish him the best of luck. Lovely. Thank you very much, Rob. Much appreciated. So, yeah, pretty much as we've just been saying, really, you know, he feels his best position is going to be around that effectively the Nick Powell uh, type situation. And obviously for, for the player himself, you know, he's got a lot to prove. He, if he wants to go back to Southampton, he needs a good loan with us. So, Dan, uh, you were mentioning just, mate, um, actually off air about uh, Dwight Gale. So you want to just have a maybe a quick comment on, on, on Gale, I think. Yeah, I think people have got to realise with Dwight Gale, uh, he's not Jacob Brown. He's not going to be working the channels. They've got to be prepared that he's going to be standing between the goalposts around the penalty box waiting for the ball to come to him. And 
when he does that, he scores goals. But he's not, like I say, people, oh, you lazy, this and that. No, that's that's just his game. That's what he's always done. He's 32, you're not going to change him. And people just got prepared themselves for that because I know Stoke fans aren't the greatest at having um, people who they think don't consider to work hard, do they? No. And well, one thing we pointed out, mate, when we were in Accrington, we, we, you know, we said, didn't we, Andy, that there was balls going into the box and there was no instinctive striker to get on the end of it. Um, that goal poacher type profile. But from what Dan's saying, that should hopefully potentially solve that situation. Yeah, we can hope that. Obviously, we did mention as well how prolific of a goal scorer he is. And that's because the way he plays as a poacher, he scored 59 goals in 100 championship games. And the way he's managed to do that mostly is by waiting for that ball to come into the area. Going on about Smallbone, one thing I will mention about him is he is wanting to cover any position that was open. So say, for example, timing goes on the attack and he knows there's a counter-attack about to start. He'll cover it left wing back till timing's back. He will. He's not lazy at all, what Stoke fans say. Whenever there's an open bit of space, he'll move to there to get the pass in and quickly play it back off. He seems like the exact player that we need for a nit power replacement while he's out injured. And I've said this, and this hurts because he's one of my favourite players at the club. I think he could replace Nick Powell in the starting eleven this season. I think that, he could, mate. That hurts for me to say. But I tell you what, though, what a great backup Nick Powell would be. A fit oh, Nick Powell. He... No rushing back, give him time and bring him back that way. So, well, if you yeah. remember when he was injured last season, I think he came off the bench against Huddersfield as long as Jacob Brown. Obviously, Jacob Brown got the man the match after like 15 minutes because he scored. But Nick Powell, when he comes off the bench... He knows what to do because he's watched the game for maybe 60, 70 minutes and he knows where we need to improve. Yeah, I can't wait to see the guy back. I, I've done me wrong and I'm, I'm saying, you know, he's replacing Powell. It's not to say that Powell's no good. We all know he's one of the best players in the league when he's fit. He's uh, we've just constantly been bringing him back when he's 60, 70% there because we've had to, because we've had lack of options. So hopefully, yeah, Smallbone hits the ground running, does really well, and then Powell really has to fight to get his place. Um, but moving swiftly on anyway, so a couple of things to highlight from the club's news. I'm not going to go into any detail on this, really. But uh, obviously, we've got the new three-year licence for Category 1 youth setup, which is, as we know, is really important when it comes to attracting you know, quality youth players. So I'm glad that we've been able to get that extended. Um, John O'Shea, so obviously uh, we all know Mr O'Shea, who's so come back as obviously a first-team club coach. Uh, the guy has got years and years of experience in defence. Um, we've well, we've seen people complain about our defensive positioning, and yet it's not up to scratch right now, and it probably won't be. But um, I'm sure he can add a lot in the way of experience there. So hopefully he is a, he's a positive move for the club. Um, and Andy, I'm going to ask you about this one to start with. So the new banners on the stadium, I haven't actually seen them in person. Um, obviously I've seen them in pictures. I think you've been getting mixed reviews online. I don't think you were overly sold on them yourself. No, not overly sold on them, obviously. From the images you've seen, they are a little creased. If they yeah. are perfectly straight and you know the wind doesn't affect them too much, they look all right, but I preferred the badges, in all honesty. Just the plain badges it gave, you know, stoke that rustic feel. And I, I don't know, I'm just not too sold on them. Maybe they might grow on me like a few things do, but for the time being, when I've not seen what they look like in person, I can't really give a proper evaluation of them. No, we'll we'll have to have a look anyway, mate. See what they're like. But yeah, I'm surprised the fabric. Really surprised. Um, I thought it would have been like hard, solid designs, but 
whatever, I guess it's easier to clean and, <laughs> and deal with, I suppose. Um, I mean, Dan, what's your thoughts on, on the new banners, mate? Uh, are you bothered at all or do you like them? Um, would have been nice to have you know, more like players or former players, that kind of stuff, a yeah. like they have done previously. But I suppose that then, you know, like I say, leads into um, <clears throat> some people arguing why is that player on there, not this player and all that. So I suppose it's the uh, the neutral thing to just go with the, you know, the, what they have done, which, yeah, it's it's so it's better than nothing. Isn't it? It's better than looking at a blank wall. <laughs> yeah, um, I must admit the one thing I did uh, make a comment about, uh, and it's bugging me now. I've seen it. The actual placement of the banners, they look too far to the left. They're not sent. They're not centered. Now, now you've seen. Now you've heard me say that. Go back and have a look, and it's going to bug you. Every time you look at it now, so I apologise. I saw it. I saw it. Um, you're bringing yeah. memories back now. <laughs> so yeah, if anyone now. hasn't realised listening to this, go and have a look at them, and then it'll be a problem for you as well. Uh, I don't know if it's. I don't know. It just doesn't look right. So whatever. Maybe they'll get some feedback. I mean, a sports council. I think definitely something I want to bring up um, to see whether that was intentional or they've just put them up wrong, whichever contract has done it. But yeah. Anyway. Um, so Dan, I know you like to do the under what was the under twenty threes. Obviously, it's under twenty ones now. Um, we had a game against Altrincham, uh, I believe, in the week. A bit of a, uh, a media blackout, so we couldn't really give them too much information. But we had a, a few uh, goal scorers in that one, didn't we? Yeah, so we managed to beat Altrincham five one. I think it was more of a more of a confidence game, really, for people trying you know, get some goals in us and and uh, some minutes in players who haven't had as much during pre-season maybe and uh, yeah we've done quite well really I mean Smallbone, Gale, Wright Phillips, Tezgal and Jack Griffiths all managed to get on the score sheet so yeah that, that's going to be you know something for them to take into the season isn't it I mean they're, they're going to figure in varying degrees in the first few weeks of the season um, probably from key players like Smallbone to Gale to probably not at all in the case of uh, Emre and Jack Griffiths but at least, at least, like you say, they've got something in the in the bag. They've got a goal for a bit of confidence. Uh, a win's a win. Um, noticed that one wasn't shouted about online very much because we didn't lose. Um, anyway, uh, now low knees as well, Dan. So uh, Lewis Macari uh, has obviously been on loan at Dundalk, hasn't he? Um, in in recent times. Yeah, so he's been there for the whole Irish season, which runs through the summer. Uh, it's a summer sport, obviously, in the Republic of Ireland. Um, so yeah, so he's been there. He, last time we caught up um, with Dundalk, he was that uh, was in April, and he was real fans' favourite, doing really well. So yeah, we've uh, managed to go back and get an update here. So this is from from James, who's like say he's uh, part of the media in Dundalk, and uh, yeah, this is what he says. Hi Dan, uh, James Rogers here from the Argus newspaper in Dundalk, just providing a bit of an update on Lewis McCary. Um, I think I was previously on your podcast back in sort of mid-April and uh, I think fair to say give a, a glowing review of how Lewis was doing. I suppose since then he's probably, if anything, only gone from strength to strength. He's been part of a, I suppose, a back four who at the weekend uh, beat Finn Harps 3-0 and kept their 11 to clean sheets in 24 matches which is you know it's a fairly decent return and definitely played a, a big part in that um, he's really gone uh, he's really made that sort of right back position his own this season um, he's 
along with Greg Sloggett, I think he's the only player who has played in every game so far for Dundalk. He started all bar one, so I think he's the most starts of anyone in the squad. So it just shows you how important he's been. A couple of, I suppose, big moments for him in recent weeks. He provided a pretty unbelievable assist, which you've probably seen for Robbie Benson's winner against Shamrock Rovers in what was the top of the table clash in sort of mid-June. and at the time, Dundalk were in the middle of a run where they'd kept five clean sheets in a row. He's obviously played a huge part in that. Um, the win last weekend against Harp saw them climb back up to second in the table. They're now seven points off Rovers. Um, and just at the start of their sort of FAI Cup campaign this uh, weekend, where they're due to play Longford. So that's maybe a chance for them to challenge for a bit of silverware. Uh, not out of the title race just yet, but I suppose Dundalk's main aim this season would be to qualify for, for Europe next season, which they'll do if they finish in the top three, possibly four, depending on who wins the cup. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going well for Lewis. I suppose one of the I suppose amazing achievements he's had is that he has got this far in the season and played so many minutes and not been booked yet. So, you know, it it's probably a sign of his discipline and everything as well that, you know, he, he's done that. Uh, but certainly there was a, a question mark towards the end of June, whether he would return to Stoke. Um, obviously, Dundalk held on to him. I think everyone at Dundalk welcomed that, which is testament to how well Lewis has fit in here. I know he's a Stoke lad, true and true, but, between family connections and, and obviously living and growing up there and it's undoubtedly his aim to one day play for the club but I think he'll return to to you guys next season um, certainly a better player and uh, you know he'd be all the better for the experience so you know I think you can be pleased with how he's doing on loan so far but hopefully more to come from as, as the season progresses there's about 12 games left in the league and as I say the Cup's just kicking off this weekend so hopefully plenty more for him to come um, before, before the end of the season in November Cool, lovely um, yeah, James, thank you very much indeed mate, always good to try and catch up um, on on players and uh, be interesting to see if that's somebody who will break his uh, well, make his way through uh, the club sometime soon, either way you started off really well, so that's positive I was going to say, well, it's interesting as well. I mean, I mentioned earlier on about right back synthesis. We look a bit, mm. a bit light on that right hand side. Obviously, we've got Lewis Macari there who will be coming back to us in the autumn time at some point. And we've also got Tom Edwards who's out in New York. Yeah. So there are two potential options. I mean, whether you think Tom Edwards has got a future here or not, the fact well. that obviously he could could become an option in the, in the side when he returns from Red Bull means, you know, we may, we that's maybe the man he's just thinking, maybe. Well, I, I still think he's got a place at the club, mate. I still think he'd be probably quite well suited for this position. From what I've been told from somebody who apparently, well, not I know he knows him, um, he's really enjoying it in America. So whether he'll ever come back is another thing. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, Okay, cool. Well, let's move on to obviously uh, previewing our first game of the season. Oh, sounds so, that sounds so good. This is Tyrese Campbell, and you're listening to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. Um, right, Andy, this is over to you, mate. We promised in uh, previous podcasts, I don't remember when it was, uh, we're going to update everyone on things like travel news, any major roadworks if you're heading down there. Uh, bits like that so uh, over to you mate if you want to give everyone a bit of an update 
So, as we know, we've been given an allocation of 1,956 tickets. I believe by the time the game comes around, we're going to have sold all of them out. There's about 30 left. If you are getting the coaches, coaches do depart at 9.30 in the morning. Uh, Roadworks-wise, there's not really anything going on. There's still some M1 roadworks from Northampton to Milton Keynes. They're converting it to a smart motorway, I believe. It's no hard shoulder for around about 20 miles with a 50-mile-an-hour speed limit. There are apparently train strikes coming in as well, so be prepared for this. There's quite a few lines affected, which is the London Overground, Greater Anglia, Great Western Railway, Hull Trains, LNER, London Northwestern Railway, South Eastern, and the Midlands West Midlands Railway. I believe the route from Stoke Station isn't going to be as affected. You might have to walk a little bit further on the trains with the tube. But other than that, I think everything is still running smoothly. So today as well, Morecambe's ticket information as well as Huddersfield's given out. For Morecambe's tickets, we've been given 1,800 tickets. There are 600 seated and 1,200 standing. Um, the coaches for that will be the will be 23 quid for adults and 22 pounds for under 18s and they'll depart at 3.30 on the day of the game. And with Huddersfield as well, I've been given 2,336 seats um, with coaches departing at 11 o'clock on the get day of the game well make sure you uh, book us a couple of seats there mate me and you'll be on that buzz <laughs> i will do mate i will do i might even get myself a special accessibility seat if i can still have to have crutches if needed one for you one, one for each toe <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah no lovely thanks for that mate so basically when you get to london you're walking because there ain't any other way you get in there but most people but... walk around london anyway so you should be yeah. fine yeah, should be fine. All right, lovely. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, and the return of the stats head-to-head, uh, Andy and Dan. I'll tell you what, Dan, I'm going to let you go first. No, normally, Andy gets to have his say first, but I'm going to give let you Let me have a bit of a breather. Right, you're going to let me fire away first, and fair enough. So, mine's basically going on more like the records and stuff. So, last season, um, we had seven away wins. We had seven away wins and we scored 27 goals away from home, which, if you look back in history, is the most in any season since 2008 when we got promoted. (laughs) Isn't that that funny? (laughs) Do do you know, amazingly, right, despite the previous three seasons being 10 games, nine and nine, we only failed to score in four away games last season. So we actually really? scored in 19 out of 23 away games, which is a pretty decent record, actually. You don't notice uh, it at the time, do you? I'm surprised by no, that. No, yeah. We kept six clean sheets. Um, we scored two plus goals on six occasions and scored three twice. Um, we only conceded three or more on two occasions, and but we conceded two or more on ten, which, yeah, it's pretty standard. Um, so, yeah, yeah that, that failed to score four times is quite impressive. In all, in all honesty, do you remember when four games might have been? Andy might know. We went to them all. I Fulham went to them all, did I? <laughs> um, the games where we scored, how many? Zero goals away from home. I didn't go to Fulham. So oh, it's Fulham, Coventry, Bristol City. Oh, Coventry, Bristol City was awful in Birmingham. I didn't go to. I went to two of them. So, yeah, so they, they were the four awful. games. Um, so, yeah, as for Millwall, in this century, we've got nine points from nine visits to the New Den, 
Um, but since we got relegated in 2018, we've got two points from two nil-nil draws from oh, four God. visits. Well, we know what's going to happen it's here now. It's going to be boring then, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it'll be boring, oh, mate. It will, yeah. um, as, for, as for opening days, uh, yeah, we, we won the first game of the season last year, which was the first time since 2009 that we managed to win on the opening day of the season, uh, having collected just two points from the previous eight opening day fixtures before that. So we don't start very well, very often. <laughs> um, but yeah, last year we did. And we actually went undefeated in the first four games last season. So we'll take that again, please, Mr O'Neill, if we can get that arranged. Well, mate, hopefully, mate, I remember there was a big deal made about that, the fact we'd actually won um, what, what, well, the first game of the season. There but, was yeah, quite I mean, a few things where a big deal was made about last season, wasn't it? And then it all fell apart. Yes, let's not go there again. <laughs> um, yeah, no problems. And uh, any more stats, Dan? Or are you, you out? Uh, I'm going to leave it to that. I'm happy with what I've given. <laughs> okay, Andy, beat okay. that. So, Millwall are actually unbeaten in the last four home league games against Stoke, where they've won two and drawn two. And the last time they did get a defeat was in 2005, where they were managed by Colin Lee. Who? Colin Lee. Okay. <laughs> the last three games between Millwall and Stoke have all seen eight goals scored in total, which is as many as the eight matches between the two teams previously, which I think Dan touched on. Millwall have lost their opening league game just once in the last eight seasons, and that was a 1-0 away defeat to Nottingham Forest in 2017. Last season, obviously, we did beat Reading 3-2 in the league opener, which the last time we've won two on the bounce of opening league openers was 2003-04 and 2004-05. And going on to a special stat about Lewis Bakey, he was involved in 10 goals in 21 championship appearances which is eight goals and two assists, which between his first start in January and the end of the league season, they could score more goals from outside the box than any other player in the division, which was four. And he's going to do an, double that this year. He's, at least. he's going to definitely get more than that. Looking forward to he's, he's one player I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with this season. Could be special, that. It could be a very special. If you add Laurent and a fully fit Nick Powell into that three and a small boat, maybe if you want to play four in midfield, we're talking. Right. Well, the point goes to Andy this week. I'm impressed. Well I think done, that's mate. the first point I've received. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Dan, I have to give him something, mate. It's, uh, he, he's been <laughs> in sur- surgery this week, mate. Just got to build that confidence up a bit. It's all right. It's okay. So, <laughs> you, do you want a hug, man? Uh, <laughs> let's get a couple of back-to-back uh, bits of recording now for you. So, uh, first up, we have... Uh, Chris from that Millwall podcast. So Chris has been on previously, so thank you uh, for that again, mate. So let's have a quick listen to what he thinks about this weekend's game, and then we'll get straight into uh, Graham uh, Graham McGarry's uh, prediction. So Graham is very, very much back uh, from this season. So let's listen to what both of them had to say. Hello, it's Chris from that Millwall podcast. We are available on all normal podcasting channels, all socials, and YouTube. Make sure to check us out. Um, okay, just to give you my thoughts on the Millwall-Stoke game happening this coming Saturday at the Den. Um, two teams that I think um, will be hoping for more this year. Uh, teams that are both flattered to uh, to deceive when it when it gets to the, the, the crucial crunch time. Um, and two teams that um, have done sort of varying bits of business in the transfer window. Um, my thoughts on Stoke, first of all. Um, 
my understanding, and obviously, keep me honest, they're Stoke fans, but um, Harry Suter and Nick Powell will be unavailable for the game. Two of your better players, I think Nick Powell is is when he's fit, he's, he walks into any team in the Championship. So two of your best players won't be available for the game. You have brought in Dwight Gowell and Will Smallbone. Um, I don't know how many, how, what their match fitness is like. I know um, both of them have sort of had injuries in the past as well. Um, but we also know what Dwight Gale is capable of in this league. So I think uh, Stoke's overall success for the season will really be determined on um, getting those four players fit and firing for your season. Um, the likes of, um, is it Timon or Timon? I don't know how to pronounce it, but he looks quite a good um, prospect down the left-hand side. And with the likes of Campbell and Brown up front, you've always got a, an, another threat as well. So I think I think Stoke will do well this season I think you'd definitely be a top half finish and again you'll flirt with the playoffs I think depending on how um, what other bits of business you do in the next couple of weeks and keeping those four players that I mentioned fit um, will be determined whether you can actually make a push for the top six um, in terms of Saturday then so you play a very similar style to us if I understand correctly you play um, sort of a, a variation of a 3-5-2 or 5-3-2 depending on what you want to what you want to call it I think we've both got very pragmatic managers. Um, I sense frustration in your fan base with um, Michael O'Neill. Um, and we, we have similar similar thoughts on Mr. Rowett. Um, I think the game, I don't think it's going to have loads of goals in it. Um, Millwall Stoke games very rarely do in the recent years. Uh, if I remember rightly, last year, you, know, you beat us, I think, 2-0. Or was it 3-1? It was a two-goal. Um, I'm sure it was a two-goal uh, win for you guys. Uh, at your place and I can't remember if we beat you or drew at our place last season so I think it'll be tight again um, I expect us to um, adopt our uh, high press that we've tried to, to, to get right in pre-season we haven't as of yet and against Ipswich we were really poor and I'm just hoping that we were kind of half-hearted and they've been working so hard in training that's why the performance wasn't great um, so it's a really difficult one to call. I think I'll probably go with a draw, a one-all draw, if I had to sort of pick now. I think it's not going to be the most exciting game, uh, exciting of games, but I genuinely would expect both teams to be there or thereabouts in the top 10. To add to that, in terms of how I think we will line up on Saturday, so I think we'll adopt a very similar formation to what you guys play, uh, a version of a 5-3-2. Um, and I believe the lineup will be Bart Bilkowski in goal, Right back, I think, will be Ryan Leonard until Danny Mack's contract sort, uh, situation is sorted. Left back, Scott Malone. I think the back three of Murray Wallace, uh, Jake Cooper and Sean Hutchinson. In the centre of the park, I think it will be um, Jamie Shackleton alongside, um, this is the difficult part, alongside uh, George Saville and probably uh, Zian Fleming. And then up front, Benny Kofobi and Tom Bradshaw. That would be really harsh on George Honeyman. Um, for me, I would probably play George Honeyman over George Saville. But I just think you'd have two five-foot-five players in the middle of the park, um, which could be a recipe for disaster. Uh, of course, you've got Billy Mitchell was there as well, which is good competition for places. Um, that's how I think we'll line up. Hello there, you Stoke City fans, as you listen to every step along the way and you get ready for the start of the new season. Optimism is high at all football clubs at this particular time of the season. And while Stoke City have not had the best of pre-seasons, let's put that behind everybody and let's get ready for the big kick-off at 3 o'clock this Saturday afternoon. 
They go to Millwall, of course, not one of their most happy hunting grounds. I think you have to go back to the year 2005 and a certain John Halls scored the one and only goal to give Stoke their last victory down in South London. Well, of course, Gary Rowett's in charge and he'll still want to get one over on his former club. But it's down to Michael O'Neill's side that he selects to get this season off on a good start and bring some momentum and get the fans right behind them. Plenty of new signings have arrived. It'll be interesting to see at 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon what team O'Neill has selected. But it's a tough game. It's a hard place to go to. But Stoke have to be resolute and they have to be strong. And I think they can come back with a draw. Might not score either. Going to go for a first prediction of the new season. And we wish Stoke all the best. Millwall nil, Stoke City nil. Okay, thank you very much, chaps. Much appreciate uh, that. So thanks, Chris. Thanks, Graham. Uh, so yeah, I mean, obviously, from what Chris was saying there anyway, I think he's very much on the same kind of playing field as us. I mean, both teams are obviously going to be hoping for more this season. It's obvious to say we all start the season thinking uh, things can only get better. Um, so hopefully they will they will go well. Uh, it's nice to hear that he thinks we'll do well in terms of a top-half finish. Um, he actually, <laughs> funny enough, uh, flirting with the top six finish is what he mentioned, which is more than most Stoke fans think we'll be doing. So um should be interesting to see how uh, relevant that is. And Graham, always good to hear from you, mate. Um, I thought quite interesting, guys. He thinks West Brom uh, are going to be dark horses this year. I'm not so confident. And, and we've obviously got to get our normal six points from West Brom. So that's going to dent their, their promotion hopes as well. Um, and yeah, what I think I think you mentioned at one point as well, Dan, when, when we spoke to him, that uh, Watford and Norwich won't be good enough, uh, potentially, is one of the comments I think we heard recently. Um, not quite sure about that, if I'm honest. I think both of them are going to have good seasons. But uh, yeah, so I'm not sure what, what you guys think, but he's gone for a nil-nil prediction, which, based on the conversations and stats we've just had, I'm assuming both of us... Uh, but, I mean, are, you, are both of you going with nil-nil predictions, or has anyone actually got us down to score? And 1-1. One, one. We're going to continue. We score goals away from home nowadays, do you not know? <laughs> just told you. 1-1. One, one. Go on, Andy. I'm going to put a downer on things. <sighs> Go on. I've gone for a 2-1 loss. Not Just back. The, the main reason being obviously the den hasn't been a good hunting ground for us but on yes. the flip side we have been scoring away from home a lot so i'm gonna go with the 2-1 i would have gone like a 1-0 but i don't want to sound too boring well so, i mean i've got i've got 1-1 down as well to be honest so i'm, I'm with dan on this one um, i think they will take the lead absolutely i do think we'll equalize late on um i think will we've it got be a, a benicophobia take with to get the goal Besides Law, won't it? Um, yeah. I, personally, I th- I think Dwight Gale will come on from the subs bench and equalise for us uh, later on. That's kind of my prediction. It'll be a nice change to have us coming back from behind rather than taking the lead and then letting the opposition back into it. <laughs> yeah, make make uh, make a definite change, mate. Um, cool. So let's talk. Um, actually, no, let's not go on to team predictions just yet. I'll let you guys get your, t- your teams up. Uh, so I put a poll out there around um, the fact that, you know, obviously we've got the, the, the game this weekend and what everyone's predictions were. Um, and like I kind of alluded to, everyone's not feeling so confident. So uh, we had 21% of everyone predicting a draw. Uh, in second to last place was a Stoke win with 28%. 
Um, and then, as you can kind of do the maths, about 51% of individuals thought that Millwall would win uh, this weekend. So, yeah, uh, kind of following on really from all the kind of comments we've seen online, it looks about accurate. So, Andy, um, very quickly, mate, don't need to give any context, but just give us your team, mate, for, for this Saturday, please. I have gone with Bursic and Goal, because I feel like obviously this is his season. The backups aren't really too great, and I feel like this is going to be a season to prove. If if Clark is fit, because obviously he's been picking up the odd little injury, I'm not too sure on him. If he's fit, I'd start him. Uh, Wilmot with Jagielka or Flint, I don't mind either. Then Taylor with Tymon in your defence, with Lauren and Baker as those holding midfielders, with Smallbone coming in in the more attacking role, with Campbell and Brown up front, with Gale coming off the bench. Okay, interesting. Um, I'm similar, uh, but I'm actually, I don't know why I've done this. and I'm sure I'm wrong, um, to be honest with you, but uh, I actually dropped Connor Taylor. Um, and I actually do regret it because I think he will start. But either way, let me go with what I put down the other day. Uh, so I've got um, Clark and Tymon, fullbacks, Flint, Jagielka and Wilmot. Wilmot being on the right-hand side, obviously, of that three. Um, with similar midfields, Lawrence and Baker with Smallbone in front, and then Campbell and Brown up front. So I don't think the lineup's going to be too dramatically different to that, quite frankly. But, um, Dan, have you got much different than than what we've kind of mentioned? Um, so pretty common with the same formation. You know, the five, five at the back uh, formation. <clears throat> and I've gone with, obviously, basic and goal... Again, Clark and Tyman are your fullbacks. Wilmot, Flint, and Taylor are the three centre halves. Uh, Baker and Lauren in midfield with Smallbone sort of floating around, being a bit, you know, providing the creativity for the midfield uh, for Campbell and Gale up front. It's just not Josh Lauren. Uh, you didn't, you no, didn't it's, not Josh Lauren. it's not Josh Lauren. It's not Josh Lauren. We've been put right. <laughs> Yes, yeah, th- thanks for that, um, Tyrese. But yeah, no, and um, in terms of a couple of things I wanted to mention as well, boys. So uh, we obviously mentioned around the whole um, gaffer uh, update as well, which if anyone's missed it on Twitter or Facebook, uh, just a, a bit of a reminder, uh, Twitter obviously is every step along. We obviously have the Facebook group as well. So if you go onto either one of those platforms, you'll be able to find out how you can join Gaffer and we'll put it into the show notes as well. Um, but yeah, if you like your fantasy football, but obviously this one is very much championship related, then um, obviously you haven't got long left uh, to get that in now. Um, and then again for the uh, the Super Six, so uh, I'm sure everyone's fully aware, but for anyone who isn't, you get six games a week to choose from. You select the uh, scores uh, and also uh, kind of like a golden goal. Um, and uh, I think it's like a, a million pound, I think, if you get all of them, all six of them right. I think it used to be a quarter of a mil, but it's a million quid now. Um, so there's 82 people in the Every Step Along the Way pod uh, Super Six League. So Q8L4FF is the code you need. Okay, lovely. So um, that's those bits. Now, we don't like to finish off uh, without a uh, a little mini quiz, which, Dan, if uh, you're true to word, mate, I believe you may have the mini quiz ready to go unless you want to discuss anything else before we go into that. There are a couple more things that I think um, people may want to know. Go for it. Well, the referee, Keith Stroud, um, last three seasons, he's ref Stoke five times. Uh, we beat Brentford 3-2 and Reading 3-0. He was a ref then. 
Uh, he was the ref when we drew 0-0 at QPR a couple of years ago. Uh, and he was also the ref last season when we lost at Sheffield United 2-1 and when we lost to Brentford 1-0 about three years ago. <laughs> so I can't remember much controversy from them games. don't think he's done anything negative or positive. Pretty, which is uh, amazing, really, for a ref to ref five Stoke games and, and not have anything that's like what a tool he is. <laughs> No, give him time, mate. Give him about 20 minutes in the first half and uh, he'll soon However, be in that category. There is something I saw earlier on, actually. It, uh, he refed a, game, a Newcastle game a few years ago and he gave a penalty for a foul on Dwight Gale. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And uh, Newcastle scored the penalty, but Dwight Gale encroached. So he, instead of making them retake the penalty, he gave, uh, got, he gave an indirect free kick to the other team. Which obviously is the incorrect decision. He should have. They should have been able to retake the penalty. Um, but Newcastle won the game one 0 so all's well that ended well on that for them in that case. But yeah, so just watch him on if we get a penalty. I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll never make that mistake again. And the other thing is, these two managers are the longest serving managers in the Championship: Gary Rowett and Michael O'Neill. <laughs> Which says everything about this league, doesn't it? <laughs> My God. Yeah, that's crazy. It can't be more than like three or four seasons. Yeah, I think, I think basically this is both of them's like third full season, isn't it? Yeah. I wow. think there are yeah. a couple of managers who've been at their clubs longer. Uh, I think but it's, in different it's spells. Rotherham and Coventry. Um, but uh, Paul Ward and Mark Robbins, they weren't in the Championship for all that time. They were like obviously in League One, League Two. Go, go for the quiz, mate. I'm going to clue what the topic is. Um, hopefully it's something interesting and not too difficult this week. So, there are seven teams we've played away from home at least three times since relegation and failed to beat. As mentioned earlier, Millwall are one. Who are the other six? God. So think, what, what, where do you feel that we go away from home and never get a result? Am I allowed to pull up the championship table? Yes. Good. And it's, it's it's teams that are in the championship now, as I take it. Yeah, this isn't like historical um, previously, is it? There, let me have a look. There are three in the championship now. Three, one has just left the championship, and so two have been, been out of the championship more than a year. So we failed to beat that. There's well, there's teams you can take out of this easily. Um, Sunderland. This is the first time we faced them in the championship, so we can count them off. Um, God, that is a, you've done a good one there, Dan. So, since we were relegated, Norwich. Uh, Norwich we've only played twice because they've been, and we did actually, we did actually beat them. Um, we did, didn't we? Yes, we beat them this yeah. uh, the season that we were first in the championship. I think Rowett was in charge then, wasn't he? I'm sure, yeah, yeah, Rowett was. Oh, God, you have thrown a good one here, Dan. He's had 20 minutes to do this and he's stumped us. I mean, we, do, we don't have a good record against Wigan away. Surely not. Again, no, only, only two, only two times. Percent. That's the problem we've got. Yeah. Only two games. Middlesbrough? Nil draw, and then we lost 3-0 to a Nick Powell-inspired Wigan. I don't feel like we have a good result against Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we played Middlesbrough four times. We've lost 1-0, 2-1. 
3-0 and we lost 3-1. So, yeah. yeah. Ooh, I was just thinking because obviously Ooh, when I went up there last season. They, they're the only team that we played four times and lost everyone awesome. to. We're going to make it five this year, boys. How about Preston? <laughs> it's a bloody long trip as well. Keep losing. Oh, it's, it's awful. Preston. That's what Mike's just said. Preston? No, we beat Preston 1-0. Not, um, not last season, the season before. Okay. No, we've only got another 13 teams to guess. If we just keep working way through the table. Um, how do we do against like... QPR normally? I seem to remember QPR's beating London, them, actually. Yeah, we beat them oh, last season. That's it. Yeah. Cardiff? Cardiff's one. Oh, we've got one left then. Yeah, literally, it's going to be at the stage where you've named every team. Oh, well done. You've got them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Cardiff, we drew 0-0, lost 1-0, lost 2-1. We've beaten Bristol. We've beaten Bartlett. You've gotten Car. You've got Cardiff. You've Birmingham. Birmingham's one. Yeah, that's four so then, they, isn't it? That's four. So they, you, we drew nil nil last season, and before that, we would lost two nil twice and two one. Um, so you've got Birmingham, you've got Cardiff, you've got Middlesbrough. Now they're the and three that are in the Championship. There's one Premier League team and two League One teams now. Currently, Bournemouth Premier League. No, 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 not Bournemouth. Oh no, because we beat them, didn't we? Beat them there, yeah. Fulham. That's the only other one I can think. No, do you want me to tell you last three? It'll be Forest, won't it? So we de- we never beat Brentford no, away. We beat Forest. Oh, of course we did. We drew nil nil, lost two one, lost three one, and we never beat Sheffield Wednesday away. Drew nil nil, drew two ah, two, yeah. lost one nil. And the surprising one, we never beat Derby. We don't, do we? Two nil-nil draws, and a two-one defeat nil. last season, and a horrible four-nil defeat. Four-nil was my first away game. Was this? <laughs> it was a great night out, nonetheless. But God. Mm. Okay, well, that wasn't too bad, Dan. We were—I must admit—we made our way through pretty much every single team <laughs> that's ever been formed. It's the only way oh. you can do that one. Should have given us lives. <laughs> Yeah, we should. We, yeah, we, we should have given his lives because we really fluffed that one. All right. Well, you know, me starters are mean to go on. We know we know that how it went last season. We weren't exactly great, were we? So we got there uh, in the end, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Okay. Um. Well, Mr. Daniel, um, thank you very much for that indeed. Um, interesting to see what you come up with next week. You must be running out of categories by now. Um, any final thoughts from you boys before we shoot off? Hopefully we can win at Millwall. Yeah, well, for once it'd be nice to start well. I think I think Michael needs it. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed. I know that obviously uh, one thing we should mention actually that obviously there has been the club meet the manager, meet the owner thing tonight, um, and everyone was just saying, look, you know, nothing earth shattering gone on, but uh, it's worth a watch, and that's available on the I think on YouTube tomorrow. Uh, so if anyone's obviously not been there um, on Thursday night, then you can go and uh, watch it tomorrow. Or today. Or today, technically. <laughs> yeah, it depends on uh, depends if you've got a time machine or not. Um, all right, cool. Well, boys, thank you very much indeed. Um, here's to three points this weekend and uh, starting the season as we want to go on. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.